Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where our goal is to help Christians love and live out God's Word. In the life of a Christian, there is nothing more simple, profitable, and necessary, and yet often there is nothing more neglected than the practice of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing, but how many of us pray for more than five minutes out of our entire day? Do we really believe that prayer works? What is our motivation for praying? And where can we go to learn how to pray? These are the types of questions we want to address in our podcast today. So, Pastor Jesse, would you take us back to the basics on prayer? Sure, Aaron, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, but first, we have a really big announcement to make. <laughs> Something major happened at our church this past weekend. Some sort of announcement, right? Yeah, yep, there, there was an announcement. That's right. Why don't you fill our listeners in as to what we announced on Sunday? <laughs> sure, you bet. Well, I am... Incredibly thankful to uh, say that Indian Hills Community Church has officially hired me as uh, pastor of the college ministries and online ministries. And so starting September 1st here, 2022, I'll be full-time working in those ministries. And Amen. I am thrilled. Amen. I wish we had some kind of applause button on our podcast equipment <laughs> we could here. probably program that in, yeah. Maybe for the next one. But that's <laughs> such a huge uh, blessing to the church. Uh, you are a huge blessing to our church. And just excited to see what the Lord does. Uh, it'll be neat not just to be able to do this podcast with you, but to, to labor with you daily as we do the work of ministry here at Indian Hills. Absolutely. I'm thrilled. You know, Pastor Jesse, it's been great to get to know you, and I really appreciate you. And uh, I'm excited to see what the Lord will do here with the opportunities ahead. Amen. Ready to rock. Let's go. And I would appreciate some prayer. Hey, there's, hey, the, there, transition. there's the transition. <laughs> nice job. See why I hired this guy? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, Aaron, you asked... Uh, the yeah, question. Back to the basics <laughs> on prayer. And actually, I didn't get to my first question. Oh, okay. So here it is. Uh, Pastor Jesse, what is prayer and why should we pray? What is prayer and why should we pray? I really love that we're tackling these basic foundational topics, um, both so that newer Christians can sort through and come to a clear understanding of these issues, but so even that our more mature in the faith listeners can be reminded of these foundational truths, like the importance of prayer in the life of a believer. Uh, so what is prayer? Um, there are a lot of ways to answer that question. I'm going to give three. Uh, the first one will be very practical, very basic, and then the second and third ones are going to be a little bit more theological. Um, Great. The first one is prayer is simply talking with God. You know, as we noted a couple episodes back, God has communicated to us in our age through his word. Well, going back in the other direction, the way we communicate back to God is through prayer. Uh, and this back and forth God speaking to us through his word, us speaking to him through prayer, are really two pillars of the Christian life that the true follower of Christ cannot and will not do without. Uh, so the basic and first definition of prayer is simply us talking to God. Um, second, prayer reflects that we are in relationship with God. And by that, I don't mean this silly, I've got a crush on Jesus, Jesus is my boyfriend nonsense that Beth Moore has been promoting recently. You can check Twitter or those see, God is my girlfriend songs. Exactly. None, none of that stuff. Rather, to say that we are in relationship with God actually has deep theological significance because it takes us all the way back to the nature and character of God. Uh, God is a relational being. He has intellect, which is reflected in his ordering and design of the universe. He has emotion, uh, which is reflected in the fact that he can be provoked to anger or grieved. And he has a will. Uh, Ephesians 1.11, he works all things after the counsel of his will, which we talked about at length last episode. Well, human beings like you and me, 
are God's image bearers. And a part of being made in the image of God is that we possess intellect, emotion, will, the way God does, or in some sense, like God does. And a part of being made in the image of God is that we have been created to be relational beings, just as God is a relational being. See, God created us, first and foremost, to be in relationship with him. That's what we see in the Garden of Eden. Um, Adam is described in Genesis 3.8 as walking around the Garden of Eden, conversing with his creator in the cool of the day. But then sin entered the, into the equation. Uh, the first couple partook of the forbidden fruit um, in direct violation of God's clear command. That was mankind's first direct act of disobedience, the first sin, original sin. And now sin has been passed down from Adam onto us. Romans 5.12, through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And one of the consequences of Adam's original sin is this relational fracture between this holy God who cannot tolerate evil, impurity, wickedness, sin in his sight, and sinful man. That's all described in Isaiah 59 verse 2, which says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. See, man, in his natural, sinful, unregenerated condition, is not in the relationship with God that he was designed to be in. Uh, He's rather uh, distant from God. He's estranged from God. He's opposed to God. He's at enmity with God. But when God rescues a sinner like you and me, when we put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ, that relationship that was once broken on account of sin is now restored. Uh, Because of the perfect and sufficient sacrifice of Christ on the cross, God now looks on us through the lens of Christ's righteousness and counts us justified in his sight. What all of that means is that when we get saved, we go from being out of relationship with God to being in relationship with God. And what that means, bringing it back to our topic for today, is that he now hears our prayers. See, God does not hear the prayers of the unbeliever. Uh, He does not answer the prayers of the wicked. Uh, The prayers of the unsaved person are hitting the ceiling. Mm -hmm. That's not my wisdom, not my thought. That's Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. God hears and answers only the prayers of the righteous, the prayers of the redeemed. So prayer is number one, talking to God. That's our first and basic definition. Uh, Second, prayer is a reflection of our relationship with God. Uh, The only ones who have a prayer, to use a common cultural phrase, are those who are now rightly in relationship with God through Christ. So here's our third one. That's one and two. Third, prayer is worship. You know, I could probably have actually started with that one, and maybe I should have started with that one, but prayer is worship. Prayer is worship in the sense that it is an opportunity to praise God. See, prayer is, or at least it ought to be, significantly focused on praising God for who he is, uh, praising God for the ways he's revealed himself to his creation, uh, praising God for the ways he's revealed himself through the word, uh, praising him for the ways he's worked in our lives, praising him for the promise of eternal life he's given us, anchored in the finished work of of Christ, uh, praising him for the fact that he allows us to pray to him, wants us to pray, that he hears our prayers, And then he answers our prayers to accomplish whatever his perfect divine purposes and ends are. Uh, Prayer is also worship. 
in that it rightly elevates God as God. It highlights our need of Him. So when we're praying, we're actually demonstrating to God, even if we don't say it, that we understand that we are weak, needy, dependent creatures, that we are humbling ourselves to His will. We're acknowledging His power. We're trusting in His plans and purposes and ways, realizing they are far better than than our own and superior to our own. Uh, We're rightly placing ourselves as the creatures at the feet of our Creator. Last, on this topic of worship, when we we pray, our heart is naturally in a worshipful posture, uh, just as it is when we sing songs of praise to God, uh, just as it is when we're sitting under the preaching of the Word, or when we're fellowshipping with God's people, or when we're giving to God's church through our offerings. All of a Christian's life is to be worship, and that includes our times of prayer. That's how I would think of the the what is prayer question. Awesome. A wonderful and full answer. What I heard you say was prayer is talking to God. Prayer is an aspect of your relationship with God, and prayer is worship. Yep. And that's so helpful, and I especially appreciate that second point where you walked us through how this is a relationship, and the relationship has been severed by sin, and so our communication with God has been hindered. Right. We cannot communicate him, communicate with him as Adam once did in the garden. Right. And even it says in Proverbs 28, uh, the unbeliever's prayer is an abomination to the Lord. But this can be healed. The relationship can be restored through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, And you asked the question kind of, it was a, a two-part question in a yeah. way. You said, uh, uh, what is prayer, but why should we pray? And hopefully some of what our hearers are listening, the, the, the why is answered by the what, in yeah. a sense. Uh, but I do have some more thoughts on on why we should pray. So if you don't mind me going on for a few more oh, minutes. Oh, please do. Absolutely. I'll, I'll let it rip. So uh, why do we pray um, in light of all we've just gone through? Well, we're commanded by God to pray. Let's start there. Ephesians six eighteen, pray at all times in the Spirit. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 17, we're called to pray without ceasing, the scripture you mentioned at the top. Uh, Romans twelve twelve, we are to be devoted to prayer. We could go on and on. Mm-hmm. But not only that, we have to consider the words of our Lord himself. You know, the Lord Jesus shows through the words that are written on the pages of scripture, the red letters, if you have a red letter Bible, uh, it shows that he assumes that prayer will be a part of the lifeblood of his follower. You know, in Matthew 6, when you pray, yeah. you are not to be like the hypocrites. Not if. Not if, when. He keeps on going though. When you pray, Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, dot, dot, dot. So right off the bat, we have to acknowledge that prayer is commanded of us, and it's assumed by our Lord that we'll be participating in it, meaning that prayer is a matter of obedience to God. God commands us to pray, so we're to pray. Um, Second, prayer is is a... an essential aspect of a healthy relationship with the one who brought us into relationship with him. You know, as Christians, we're called not just to to know about God. Christians know God, and we seek and we strive to know him more as the Spirit conforms us into the image of Christ. So when we're praying, we're doing what people who are in relationship to one another do. We're conversing. You know, I think we kind of talked about this in the last episode a bit, but Think of the, of the other relationships we have. What's a common denominator in any healthy relationship? Talking. Talking, communication. Even a secular therapist would get that piece. Yeah. You know, I could not say, you could not say, 
that we have strong relationships with our wives if we're not sharing anything with them, mm-hmm. if we're not communicating with them, if we're not talking with them. You know, I couldn't say I have a strong relationship with a person I call my friend if I never speak to them or never open up to them, or never share with them. So why would it be any different as it relates to our relationship with God? Right. You know, John Calvin once said, prayer is nothing else than the opening up of our heart before God. And he's right. Uh, can we really say we have an abiding, growing relationship with God if we're not in communication with him? Absolutely not. Third, on this topic of why should we pray, uh, we should pray because of the amazing and distinct privilege it is. You know, God didn't need us, but he created us. He didn't need to save us, but he loves us, so he did. Uh, he didn't need to hear from us, yet he invites us to speak to him through prayer. So yeah, we're commanded to pray. And so there is a sense in which we have to pray. It's an act of obedience. But I also want to have our hearers grasp here that we we get to pray. Yeah, compelled and commanded. And, and blessed, right? Yes. We get to talk with the high king of heaven. We get to bring our petitions before God Almighty. We never, ever ought to lose sight of what is a distinct privilege this is. And then fourth, uh, we pray because it works. You know, I put this this one last intentionally here. Um, we don't pray only because it works. Uh, we don't pray only because it's effective, but we cannot ignore the fact that it does work. And in how it works in terms of how God in his sovereignty takes our prayers and uses them to accomplish his perfect eternal decree, eternally decreed purposes, I don't know. Uh, but what we do know is what scripture teaches is that prayer works. It's effective. In James 5.16, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. There is so much more that could be said on that question or those really those two questions, Aaron, the, the what and the why of prayer. But hopefully those give us a helpful starting framework to think about the topic. Absolutely. And I love the fourth point. You know, prayer works. It does. And you mentioned James 5.16. I was thinking of the next two verses as well, which give a practical example of how prayer has worked for a man in the Old Testament. Uh, James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, just like you and me. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And he had a purpose for praying that, and the Lord had a purpose, obviously. But there's just a perfect example. Prayer works. Amen. Well, amen. Now that we know what prayer is, the next question I have for you is how should we pray? Yeah, and the temptation in answering a question like that might be to go in the direction of uh, rigidity or, mm-hmm. or mechanical answers. Um, but I don't think we can answer a question like that too rigidly or too mechanically. You know, it's not my place to say you must pray at 5 a.m. every morning at your kitchen table for a minimum of 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I can't give that answer. Uh, but what I can do for our listeners is to flag some categories to think in, categories that are biblically based as we answer that question, uh, how do we pray? Uh, so here's one. I don't remember how many I have here, but here's the number, the first one. Uh, we're called to pray with regularity. How to pray? Pray with regularity. Ephesians 6.18, pray at all times in the Spirit. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 again, pray without ceasing. The testimony of the Bible is clear. We are to be in prayer all the time. Now, does that mean that we can't do anything else with our lives, like eat or bathe or sleep or read books or listen to music or spend time with friends and loved ones? No doesn't mean that. What it does mean, though, is that we are to be in regular conversation with God through prayer 
no matter what else we happen to be doing with our days, uh, no matter what else we have going on in our days. I think of it like this. If you had a passenger in your car, whoever that passenger was, on a, on a long-distance road trip, would you talk with them or would you ignore them? Now, careful now. I, I'm not <laughs> saying that God is our co-pilot. That's terrible theology. Don't take the illustration too far. But the reality is he's always there. Wherever we are, he's there. That's Psalm 139, 2 and 3. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Uh, This means that God is not only there at meals and bedtime when most prayers are prayed, but he's there when we're driving. He's there when we're in the shower or sitting at our desk or mowing our lawn or operating our snowblower. I still don't even know what that is. (laughs) When we're staring at the ceiling fan at night, when we're rocking our child to sleep, He's everywhere, ever-present at all times. So do we talk to him. Uh, So with regularity would be the first one. Here's the second one. Uh, We should be praying with awe, A-W-E, awe. Uh, As followers of Christ, we have the ability to pray to the God of the universe at any time, anywhere, any place, under any circumstances. That should truly amaze us, what I just said, that, that we can pray to that God and have access to him at any time. You know, unlike any other religious system of the world, we don't have to go through some intermediary, some earthly intermediary. We don't have to go to a priest or a saint or a confession booth to access God through prayer. Uh, We don't need to go through a medium or a dead relative or to make a pilgrimage to access God through prayer. No, for the Christian, there is one mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And because of the finality and the sufficiency of his sacrifice on our behalf, we now have direct and unfettered access to God as we come to him in prayer. We can, as Hebrews 4.16 says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a privilege. We really should be in awe of that. You know, I was talking to a Catholic one time and they, they gave me an analogy for as to why they pray to the saints. They said, well, it's like if you have a request that you want to make to your parents, you bring your brother or sister along and you have them come with the request. And I thought, oh, well, that's, you know, a nice analogy, but is it in the Bible? Right. No. I mean, this is, we have access to God. Yeah. We can pray to him and him alone at any time. Yeah. There's no co-mediators, no parallel mediators. There's right. one mediator. That's yeah. right. Um, here's a third one, uh, we, how to pray with, with childlike simplicity. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, the ones who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Two verses later, he says, when you're praying, do not use meaningless rep- repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. No, no, faithful prayer then is not measured by word count. Uh, faithful prayer is not measured by verbal eloquence. You know, not all of our prayers need to be lengthy or deeply theological. You know, oh, sovereign, thrice holy Jehovah, may thou grant me access to this parking stall for thy humble servant, right? We don't have to pray that way. Um, No, faithful prayer is most often demonstrated through childlike simplicity, through childlike faith, childlike trust, childlike dependence. Faithful prayer might sound like, you know, God, I'm hurt. By the way, my friend just talked to me. Would you please help me respond to them with humility and grace? Or God, help me. Plain and simple. God, why am I suffering? 
God, why are you making me wait? God, what are you trying to teach me right now? Those are beautiful, humble uh, prayers. Right. Um, here's another how-to about prayer. Uh, with focus, um, Jesus modeled for us a, a type of prayer that involved getting away. Uh, Luke 5.16 says, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. And he himself spoke of the importance of quiet, secluded, devoted prayer. Matthew 6.6, 6, But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, when I say pray with focus, what I mean is this. Uh, your, your prayer life won't be all that it should be if you're praying while simultaneously painting the living room, uh, while watching the Husker game, with one AirPod in as you're listening to an audiobook, while you're telling your toddler not to eat that blue crayon, all at the same time. Uh, that will not be the best time to really devotedly and with focus pray to God. See, it, while it's true that we are called to pray without ceasing the way we just described, it's also true that multitasking and prayer don't go hand in hand. Uh, so in addition to our more continual throughout the day prayers that we we, we get in, there needs to be some dedicated time yeah. to get quiet with the Lord and pray to him. Yeah, and why do you think it's so difficult for us? To, I mean, that multitasking scenario is very real for all of us. Yeah. I mean, we all try to do a million things at once. I mean, why is it so hard, do you think, for us to get away and pray? Oh, I thought you were going to ask the question about why, why, why it's so hard to multitask. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. I'm not very good well, at that. On that one, I would say we're not designed to be sovereign or omnipotent, <laughs> which is what multitasking is essentially trying to do. Good answer. Um, but yeah, why is it so hard to get away? I would just say it's the priority of the heart. When we truly get down to it, we have to look at what our priorities are. Mm -hmm. Is it the painting project? Is it the Husker game? Is it getting in one more audiobook? Is it you name it? which things which in and of themselves may not be bad things or wrong things or sinful things, but they may not be the best thing. Yeah. So the point though is we need to find those dedicated times to get quiet with the Lord and to pray. And that's going to look different uh, based on stages of life and, and the people involved. You know, that might look different, that dedicated quiet time to pray for the corporate executive than it might be for the sleep-deprived mother of four-month-old twins. It might look different for the, you know, Red Bull-fueled college student that you're ministering to <laughs> versus the bedridden cancer patient. Uh, it might look different in, for, in different seasons of blessing than it does in different seasons of, of difficulty. But it's important, regardless of the stage or season of life, that we carve out those dedicated, consecrated times to pray to the Lord. Uh, here's another how to pray item. We're, we should do so with structure. You know, our minds wander. There's the hymn that says we're prone to wander, mm -hmm. and and that can certainly happen with prayers. Um, so I think it can be helpful to structure our prayers, to order our prayers, to keep us on target. And one way to do that, of course, is through the framework that's given to us in the Lord's Prayer. You know, we can keep our prayers on target using that prayer as we praise God's name and character. Hallowed be thy name. Uh, that we ask that he do his will. Your will be done. Uh, when we ask for forgiveness, forgive us our sins. Uh, when we ask that he provide for our needs, give us this day our daily bread. And we recognize that all power rests ultimately with him. Uh, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Uh, but keep in mind that the Lord's Prayer was never meant to be words that we just mindlessly recite. Instead, it's just a template of topics that the Lord gives us to cover in prayer. He says, pray then like this, not pray this. 
So that would be one helpful way to order our prayers. Just looking at the the Lord's prayer is scaffolding upon which to to hang prayers. Another one would be the the, the familiar ACTS acronym, A-C-T-S, which stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. That does in many ways parallel the Lord's Prayer and rightly ordering um, the main topics of prayer that a Christian should be eventually working through. But a couple of things to note even about that ACTS form of praying. First of all, adoration. When we're adoring God in that first phase of that prayer, it assumes that our prayers will be informed by Scripture. Uh, We can only adore and revere God rightly if we do so on the basis of what he has revealed about himself in his word. So as you pray, pray with an open Bible, Mm -hmm. or at a minimum, pray with God's word stored in your heart. Um, Second, note in that ACTS acronym where the supplications go. Last, it's only after we've recognized God for who he is and praise him for who he is and confess our sin to him and give thanks to him that we then start to bring our request before him. That's reversing the way that many people think about God in prayer as, you know, the divine grandfather or Santa Claus. Uh, that's not the way to think about God in prayer. He surely is our father and our friend, but he also is a consuming fire, a holy and mighty and sovereign God who must be approached rightly before we start asking him for things. One last thing on this topic of structure in our prayer lives. I'm personally a big fan of prayer lists. Um, there's so much to pray for. I mean, how else are you supposed to keep it all straight? So I'd encourage our listeners to write those prayer items down somewhere in a journal and on three by five note cards on your phone. Uh, there's an app called Prayer Mate that's really helpful on your computer. There's nothing unspiritual about having a prayer list, about itemizing and categorizing your prayers so that you'll actually get to them. The next one would be to pray with heart. So while on the one hand, it's fine to pray structured prayers and to use lists, on the other hand, we cannot forget something we covered earlier, which is that prayer is an act of worship. You know, my communication with my wife, my most important earthly relationship, is not limited to reading my marriage vows to her all day long. So why should my prayers be limited to something like the Book of Common Prayer or to mindlessly recite some other formal prayers. True worship comes from the heart, a redeemed heart that is earnestly pursuing the Lord, and our prayer lives should reflect that truth. Here's another one. This will be brief. We should pray with commitment. Uh, I'm going to say it this way. Don't say you're going to pray for someone unless you will. Hmm. I'd rather tell somebody I won't pray for you than tell somebody I'll pray for you you know, thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. and fail to do so. Yeah. It's become almost a very like common thing to say, oh, I'll pray for you. And it's not always genuine. It's almost like punctuation. Yeah. Like a semicolon or a, yeah. a period, like just to get out of a conversation. Yep. Christianese. Right. Don't do it. Yeah. And here's the last one. Pray with expectation. God hears the prayers of his people as we've established and God answers the prayers of his people. You talked about James five sixteen through 18 earlier. Matthew 7, 7 through 10, I'll just paraphrase it. Ask, seek, knock. Leave it at that. So how do we pray? I'm going to just summarize the list here. With regularity, with awe, with childlike simplicity, focus, structure, heart, commitment, and expectation. 
Yeah, Pastor Jesse, thank you for for summing that up for us, and it's very helpful in thinking about how we should pray. Uh, whether we use you know the Lord's Prayer as the model, we look at other examples in Scripture. We look at Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Um, all those are helpful. I'm I'm thankful the Scripture doesn't have a prescription one way to pray um, because it is a relationship and we go to the Lord like we do a friend. Amen. Um, My next question for you is what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to pray? We talk about how common it is to neglect prayer. So what advice would you give to someone just practically? Yeah. I mean, I, I would truly, truly start by encouraging them and not discouraging them. And, And I might say something just kind of, you know, jokingly, but sensitively, like join the club. Hmm. You know, everybody has had a struggle with prayer at some point. I'm not trying to minimize the spiritual weakness that might be associated with a a lackluster prayer life, but I want to encourage them and let them know it's a common struggle for even the most faithful believer. So I'd start there. And then in terms of practical advice, then I'd start laying out some ideas for them. Um, One that I always go to is studying the attributes of God. Uh, in my judgment, there is no better kindling for a more a, a vibrant prayer life than that. To to humbly and reverentially study the nature and character of God uh, for the life of somebody who is submitted to the Spirit of God, that will eventually lead to a more faithful and vibrant life of prayer to that very God that you've been studying. And of course, when we study the attributes of God, we're not divorcing that or detaching that from Scripture. If you're doing a very deep dive into the attributes of God, you're doing that with an open Bible and seeing what God himself has revealed about his own nature and character and person. So I'd start there with the attributes of God. Yeah, it'll fuel your prayer life. Absolutely. Uh, the other would be to, to pray with other people. Uh, that's been one that I've seen um, bear fruit. Um, hearing others pray will often have the stimulating effect of growing you and your own faithfulness in your prayer life. So if, if your church has a prayer meeting, go to it. You know, this summer we had regular prayer meetings. So I'd love to see those grow in the months and years ahead. Uh, if your church doesn't have a prayer meeting, start one or, or call a group of, of church friends over for a night of prayer. Uh, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. I think you can stimulate one another to a more faithful and vibrant prayer life as well. Uh, a third one would be to read great works on the great work God has done through the prayers of his people. Uh, There are so many great books on the topic of prayer, and those can be helpful, but there are also great books and biographies uh, related to men and women of the Christian faith that really, you you see the connection between their prayers and the work God did through those prayers. Just a few uh, books I want to highlight here. One would be The Life and Diary of David Brainerd, who was a missionary in the mid-1700s to the Delaware Indians in New Jersey. And this was a young man totally consecrated to the Lord. The way he described his own, you know, struggles with reading the word and prayer as he's out there in the elements day over day, you know, out in the middle of the woods at that point. And he would just say things that are like daggers to the soul for Mm. us sitting here today. Because he'd say things like, only devoted two and a half hours to prayer this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh. It's kind of like Jesus telling the disciples, couldn't you stay awake for just one hour? Exactly. So, uh, but it's a really enriching read of a really godly and devoted young man. And uh, his prayer life especially is to be noted. Mm. Uh, also, the, autobi- the autobiography of George Mueller is a, is a pretty famous one. 
um, and his work in the orphanages and uh, just the many direct answers to prayer that yeah. he experienced. Isn't it, isn't it true he didn't ask for any money but right. simply prayed? Yep. There's stories of you know milk and bread for all these boys in this yeah. orphanage showing up the very day they would have gone hungry yeah. if they, that didn't arrive. Amazing. Um, another one is um, R.A. Torrey's The Power of Prayer. That's R.A. Torrey, T-O-R-R-E-Y. Torrey is the founder of Biola out in Los Angeles. And it sounds like quite the charismatic title, The Power of Prayer. But what it really is, is um, uh, the, the accounts of various kind of unsung heroes of the faith who prayed for revival, true biblical revival in the land. And the answer to those prayers uh, that God answered in, in the decades that followed. Stories like, you know, the people that would pray under Spurgeon's pulpit in the boiler room as he was preaching. Hmm. They'd literally be under him praying for God to do a mighty work as, as he was out there converting souls. So hmm. those are a few works that I would um, advise that people take a look at if they're feeling a little stagnant in their prayer life. The last piece of advice I would give, Aaron, for somebody who is feeling maybe stuck in the mud with their prayer life is to pray. Yeah. You know, pray, pray for a changed heart, uh, pray for a renewed outlook on prayer. Uh, just as I said a few weeks ago that, uh, a solution to a dry life of Bible reading is to get into the Bible. Uh, so the solution to a stale prayer life is often to pray that God would enliven that aspect of your Christian walk. Pray until you pray. Amen. You know, and you talked about praying with others and um, just thinking about, you know, the fact that most of us, when we go to church, we're participants in prayer. Many of us aren't leading the prayer. What advice would you give to someone who's participating in prayer, listening? I mean, the word amen is a, is a word of assent and acknowledgement of whatever is being said in the room at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can only credibly use that word if we're actually going along with the prayer in our minds and, and affirming what is being prayed. So you're saying don't say amen if you weren't listening to the person praying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what, you're, what I'm saying is pray along with the person praying yeah. and then say amen. So that means being mentally present, uh, being checked in to what is being said, not checked out, not thinking about, you know, what's on the oven at home and, yeah. or when is service letting out, but really be listening to what's being prayed and, and processing that through what we know about scripture and, and heartily assenting, amening what they say at the end. Yeah, that's helpful. I think we're creatures of habit, so it's good to think through that. And I, I agree with your words. Wonderful. Hey, amen. Amen. I do agree. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, if this podcast is helpful to you, please share it on social media or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps the podcast show up in more searches. And if you have any questions for us to answer, please email them to us at questions at soundwords.org. And we are planning on addressing those questions very soon. So don't give up. Keep those questions coming. Uh, Pastor Jesse, any last words? Yeah. Um, I found this quote in doing some reading recently on prayer. It's from Thomas Watson, Puritan. He said, Christ went more readily to the cross than we do to the throne of grace. Ouch. Hmm. May that never be said of us. Uh, instead, let's be those people who heed the passage that we've quoted many times this afternoon, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, those people who pray without ceasing. But my final, final word for today is what it is every time, the verse from which our podcast gets its name, 2 Timothy 1.13, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Aaron, 
Normally, you close out at that point, but we've just talked about the importance of prayer. Would you mind closing out this episode by praying? Absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. You are gracious to us. You created us, and you desire a relationship with us. Lord, we've broken that relationship with sin, but then it's been healed because of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your gift of salvation. We thank you for the privilege uh, that we have to come to you with our requests, with our thanksgivings. Uh, Lord, I pray we would do it often. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like Jesus Christ. Teach us to pray like the faithful apostles and the men of the Old Testament and the men and women of Scripture. Um, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to grow in our prayer life so that we might see you glorified in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.